Hello, Fempreneurs, and welcome to episode number 101. If you were part of our massive giveaway and all the celebrating that was happening for our 100th episode, thank you so much. It was so much fun. <laughs> I, uh, I cannot believe how much our community grew. It was so cool to see the Instagram followers increasing, the email subscribers increasing, and of course, seeing the number of people listening to our podcast increasing. So thank you for being part of it. Thank you for spreading the word. Our guest today on the podcast, her name is Ulrike and she joins us from Switzerland. She's all about empowering female leaders. So let's dive into the interview. Hello, beautiful lady. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me across the ocean. (laughs) Across the ocean. Yes. Well, you look gorgeous. Thank you. Your hair is lovely. You must be um, enjoying some sunshine over there. Is it, is it been like, how's the weather been there lately? We had no rain since two or three months now, which is very unusual uh, for central Europe. It's every, everything is dry. Rivers dried out. I mean, it's a, it's a beautiful summer, obviously we have a lot of sunshine, but for nature, it's quite a disaster after three months of just no rain. Yeah. No rain. Right. (laughs) So are you near water? Like, is there a lake or an ocean or what kind of stuff do you get up to when you're not working? Yes. So Zurich is, I'm in Zurich and Zurich is nearby a lake. Uh, so it's very nice. You can go out in summer, you can go for a swim. And obviously, as it's a lake in the mountains, then it's always pretty fresh. Even if you have 37 degrees or something like that, Celsius outside, it's pretty warm. Um, so yes, there's a lot to do can go up, go up into the mountains as well to enjoy some fresh air. And that is very helpful. <laughs> it's yes. getting really hot. Mm. Right. So I'm sure um, all of the lovely ladies joining us right now here on Instagram Live are noticing your Instagram handle, Empowering Female Leaders. So how did you come to be passionate about empowering female leaders? What's the story behind starting your business? So actually, I was a female leader myself in the corporate world and for over 23 years. So I climbed up the whole career ladder. I started as an assistant. Sorry that my voice is breaking a bit because I was singing a lot over the weekend. Singing? <laughs> I was singing two days ago and I was singing and now my voice is a bit broken. However, so <laughs> yes. No, so I was, um, yeah, I was starting as an assistant. I was climbing up the whole career ladder until I became a C-level executive. And I realized that Leaders in general, also male leaders, men, women alike, whoever struggles in communicating in a, in a good way, in an inspiring way, in connecting with people. Most leaders are just leaders because they're experts in their field, but not because they love to lead. And that was the first thing. And the other thing then was like, okay, understood. If, if women are stepping up like I did, but they only step up because they play a role, because they adapt to behavioral codes which have been shaped by men for decennies, then we never have true diversity, actually. Never, mm-hmm. ever. Even if mathematically we might have 50% women, but if, if they are not um, authentic and just do what they think is right in, from their perspective, we don't have any diversity. And that was my case as well. You know, I had this terrible imposter syndrome, terrible perfectionism, and I just stepped into, well, I stepped up the career ladder by performance, always working hard, never really promoting myself. So it's kind of a miracle that I got there. But when I was there, I realized that I always tried to fit in. I had this thing, I need to make no fuss, you know, fit in, do these kind of things. 
And when I stepped out there in 2019 and started to shape my own business, I thought, first of all, I want to change really how leaders communicate because in all companies, there's this lack of communication. Mm -hmm. And then I looked back at my own career and realized, okay, but for, for women, there's even much, much more that we should do because so many women are not being themselves. And they even say it. I had many women in high positions who told me I would not be here if I had been myself. And I said, that's a disaster. I mean, that can't be. And we simply, simply have to stop that. And this is why, yes, the title also of my Instagram account, Empowering Female Leaders, because I believe it's very important. And I'm looking forward to the day when you do not have to say female leaders anymore because it's just normal that women are leaders as it is today that men are leaders. Absolutely. Yes. We are definitely in a, in a you know, in an era of shifting from, like you said, more male uh, more men in those those leadership roles to having an equal number of, of women in those roles. But I do agree. Um, I think we as women are struggling with being ourselves um, because of fear around just the way that we want to lead, knowing it's different than how perhaps others in that role have done it in the past and not stepping into our full potential because we're not being ourselves. So I think it's so cool what you're doing. Um, so in 2019, you started your business. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. Okay, awesome. And so, um, you know, this podcast, of course, is for female entrepreneurs. So I always have to ask, <laughs> what were those first steps like starting your own business? You know, going from having a job to actually stepping out into complete, you know, um, it's a risk to start your own business and, I, and I'm not saying it's not a it's not a risk to have a job but what were those things that you did in the beginning that you would recommend other fempreneurs do in that first year of starting their business what I would recommend is doing things differently than how I did them in the first year definitely because I stepped out of it and I thought I need to train myself a lot you know I need to acquire a whole new set of skills which is true to a certain degree Nonetheless, I was doing it too much, certainly, because I was really like becoming a learning junkie who couldn't stop because I thought I had to add more, another training course, another book, another 20 books or another I don't know what, to really have the full skill set in case somebody's asking me something and I have to answer every possible question around communication and leadership and all of that. And um, I think when, when you start a business, First of all, really make yourself clear what exactly you want to do. If you have the time to do that while you're still working or take the time while you're still working for a corporation, it's the better way, I think, because you're a bit more safe. You have some income coming in and at least to be clear about a vision, even if this vision will logically shift once you're in it somehow, it will refine, will shift a little bit. But I think it's important to get that vision very right in the beginning. And I was kind of going back and forth in my, in my positioning with men for everybody, then again, only for women. And yeah, and it was just, it was not really decided from the start. And I think I lost a lot of time from that perspective. Now, right. looking back, it was fine because I could afford it for a while. And right. it was a great learning curve as well. And I enjoyed that time very much because I learned a lot for myself. So that was the value in it. So I'm not regretting that. But I know very well that it is very hard if you're not making money, at least after six months, a year, at least a little bit, you know, that you know, yeah, now I'm out of, you know, out of danger. It's a sustainable business. I can really maintain that. Then it's getting difficult. Then you really need to stick to your idea and be very, very sure 
that you really want that, that this is your mission, that this is your purpose. Because mm -hmm. only then you get the energy every morning because there's nobody who's pushing you to do something apart from yourself. So you just yes. need to be convinced about the idea. I think that's very important for a start. And I noticed you have a, a really strong presence on LinkedIn. I was looking at you on LinkedIn. You've, you've done a great job of connecting with tons of people on LinkedIn. Is that a big part of what you put your energy into back in 2019 when you first started your business? Like was LinkedIn your, your main focus for, you know, making connections and getting clients? Yeah, definitely. In the beginning, I worked also a lot with Facebook, a bit with Instagram, not so much, actually. Um, but then when I shifted more, because in the beginning, I was more positioning myself as a, as a life coach. So logically, Facebook and Instagram are the channels more for people who come for more private reasons. Mm -hmm. But then I switched quite quickly back to the business world because I knew I'm coming from the business world. That's kind of my comfort zone. I really know how things work out there. And um, that's why then I went on LinkedIn because I realized I can find the profiles there and I can define them much better. I can identify them in, a, in an easier way because I know what they're doing for work. I know how long they're in a leadership role potentially or if you're not in a leadership role yet also because that's also an audience for me. So that's why I put a lot of effort still today actually into LinkedIn. Yeah. Okay. I actually, yeah, I have a very similar story. Like LinkedIn was uh, really good to me back in the beginning when I first started my business. So when I saw that that was kind of your main jam, I was like, oh, I have to ask her about that. So how specifically have you created your LinkedIn presence? What has been kind of your mantra for, you know, what you're going to post and how have you come up with, you know, ways and content to make all those connections? Oh, there are different ways. Well, one, one is the posting thing. And people always think posting is the thing you need to do. <laughs> Absolutely, to be visible and, and all of that. I realized that it's not the most efficient way. I am posting quite a lot as well now because I just got used to it. And it's easy for me to create that content because I have a lot of content. I have my own podcast. I also get a lot of content from that side. But, um, but it's not that what is giving you the long-term visibility because LinkedIn when it sees that you're posting a lot and when it also considers then that your personal profile actually is a business profile, even if te technically it isn't, but right. LinkedIn puts you into this cupboard somewhere, you, you realize how your visibility goes down. They do not show it to your, they do not show it to your followers. Even if you have thousands of followers, you can have a post with 80 views. <laughs> it's LinkedIn. So it's quite frustrating. So what I started to do, and that works much better, and I still do both. I am posting, but I think it's important. I'm commenting as well quite often. That is pretty helpful, commenting on other posts, very helpful, or sharing other posts. But what I'm doing, I do a lot of direct messaging. I'm just recontacting the people, the target audience that I want to contact, and um, just connect, first of all, very casual way. I don't send them stuff right away. I just try to connect to have this a little conversation, you know, once back and forth, direct messaging. And if they want my freebie, then I get my freebie. And from there, it kind of starts. If they look into this, they like it, then they go deeper. And then they might also go for my other offers, which I have, which are not paid offers, low key first. And you have well, the whole, you can climb up the whole ladder as well. <laughs> thing and trainings and these kind of things. But that works much, much more. And that's happening, obviously, it's invisible to all the others who look at my profile because it's just right. like messaging happening with you know, hundreds of people, actually. So you're reaching out in the direct messaging part of LinkedIn and you're saying, hey, I, I have this free gift on my website that I think might be of interest to you. 
you know, here's the link, maybe check it out. And I'd love your feedback. Like, is that kind of what you're doing to kind of break the ice with people? Yes, yes exactly. But usually awesome. I, I say, I would like to be connected you know, to, to women, which are also, which are, have interesting profiles, interesting trajectories, career trajectories. Mm -hmm. And um, usually they connect quite easily because my profile today is very strong. In the beginning, when I started with my with my with my whole presence there as a, as a coach, and I had I had great obviously experience in the corporate world, but I had none as an entrepreneur. So it's very hard to get credibility. So over time, I gained this credibility by being visible in different areas. Now COVID was difficult to be physically visible in different areas, but at least online here and there, um, and these kind of things, writing articles. I mean, there's so many things which you can provide. I'm doing my podcast. It's very helpful, actually, because it also helps me to position myself as a as a leader in my field, like yes, you are yeah. doing, certainly mm -hmm. as well. And um, yeah, and that created actually a profile with substance. And this is why today I see when I send a connection request, I get a lot of okays back. People accept that very easily, even with messaging like, I'm excited. Oh, thank you for contacting me. That's so nice. Whereas, you know, two years ago, it was like, huh, I don't want to hear from you or they didn't answer at all. It was, was much more difficult. It's very important that your profile is um, reflecting your strengths and what you're there for so that people can, when, if they look at the profile, that they want to connect with you, basically. So it's really about thinking, where, do you, where, where are you heading to? Not where you are today only, but where you're heading to. It's not just a CV looking backwards on LinkedIn. It's really looking forward to what do I want to become? What's my claim? What I'm standing for? And that's how, how actually then this whole thing evolves over time. Yeah. That is awesome. So how long have you lived in Switzerland? Like, have you been there your whole life? Sorry, there was a break in the question. How long? Oh, how, how long have you lived in Switzerland? Ah. Oh, no, no, not at all for my whole life. I'm German. Um, right. And I grew up in Germany, did my studies for the main part in Germany. <clears throat> then I moved to France, actually, when I was 24 years old. <laughs> that was a big step uh, because it's a different language. Uh, it's just a neighbor country. So from, from maybe a Canadian perspective, like it's really small. And it is indeed, it's only three hours drive away. <laughs> but, but it was a different culture, different language. And I spent basically... Now, the last two decennies, mostly in France, working in Switzerland, because it's all very close together. And I started working in Switzerland like 12 years ago or something like that. And um, at some point, close to the French border, so I could live in France. And then I started to go to Zurich, and that's too far away from France. You need, you need to drive two hours per day by car. Two times, it's just too, too far away. So yeah. I then started living in Switzerland uh, for work. Still have a house in France, so commuting over the weekend. And yeah, so it's a very nice style, actually, because we have these three countries close together. And well, wow. we have different possibilities in all three, so it's quite interesting. That is great. So what, else, what other things do you get up to? You said there's a lake and you like swimming, and I want to hear more about this singing that you're doing. What's that all about? <laughs> Well, normally I don't sing, yeah. That's probably why my voice is broken. <laughs> but we had a really nice evening. A friend was having his birthday and they had a, a, a singer actually. And then she put up some like karaoke stuff where you could then sing. And it was very funny because it was a party in France and there were only French people, like normal in France, by the way. And, <laughs> and there are two, three songs which they know in German because they, 
40 years ago, you know, in the 80s, these old songs. And so I said, hey, I can, I can sing one in German. I mean, really in German, you know. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I've never done it ever, ever, ever. And it was really fun. I loved it. That was really cool. But yeah, there was just too much shouting all over, you know, it was a really big party where everybody's like, yeah, party, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then yesterday I realized, oh my gosh, I have no voice. I hope it's better tomorrow. And today it's still the same. It's even a bit worse. I have the feeling, but that's how it is. Yeah. Wow. That sounds like a fun time. And what an interesting life you've lived so far. So are you, are you a mom? Do you have pets do you have you know fur babies real baby human babies <laughs> like what, yeah. what other kind of things do you get up to so i have two fur babies yes. um, i have no human babies we wanted babies but we didn't get them and finally mm -hmm. today i think it was a good choice for me because i feel like you know somehow my life shifted towards something where i traveled a lot then mm -hmm. it changed my career so it was pretty it was good i'm pretty happy with that but i have two fur babies two bengal cats i don't know if you know how they look like oh. Yeah. You know, little leopards they look like very beautiful they're pretty young two and one and a half years old um two boys i love them so <laughs> and when i do a life like that it's always like i hope the guys judge are just outside in the garden somewhere and do not come meowing in front of the door like crazy because now they want their food <laughs> well i think if they made an appearance in our live it would be awesome actually i think it'd be really cool to see them so if they happen to wander in Please show them to us. <laughs> I will, I will. <laughs> right on. So let's get back to your business, uh, kind of the inner workings of your business. Um, you empower female leaders. How do you do that? Like, can you take us through some of, um, maybe give us a bit of the, the meat from your free gifts or from your initial process, like that first or second meeting when you're just starting to coach someone? Yeah. So, I mean, there's a difference between one-on-one -one coachings and group coachings. No, not that much of a difference, actually. I and mean, one is individual, the other one is a group. But I always start with, first of all, you need to find out where you want to head to. Uh, it's this vision thing. You don't have to have a huge purpose or a huge mission. Uh, but at least you need to know where you want to go to. And most of the time, it's a professional goal that people set themselves. Over time, it always turns out that this professional goal, after all, is also a personal goal because it mm -hmm. all, I mean, you're the same person anyway, if it's in a professional life or in the private life, you're still one human being, even if some people play a different role in the professional life, which they shouldn't, in my opinion. But uh, that's the first step. But then I really work a lot on, um, I'm actually combining skills and methods, like also rewiring methods for your brain, normal, simple, reflective exercises, visualizations, meditations, so a lot of different learning styles together with a set of skills, like, you know, what good communication looks like or presentation skills or, or these kind of more tangible things. But I don't use them alone ever, because I think if you only provide skills, that's what people usually learn in leadership trainings as well. Um, well, then you, you don't apply them. People don't apply them because they have a belief that they can't apply them. You know, if you, if, you, if you give the best communication skills to someone who believes, I will never be a good communicator because I'm an introvert, he can mm -hmm. have a ton of skills or she. They will not apply them <laughs> because they believe they can't. And so I always work on this inner peace. And I call it, I work on the being and on the doing. But the being is very, very important. You need to think what you want to be and you need to believe 
who you want to be. You should believe into your business. And only then the skills that you can acquire to make it happen and the actions that you can take to make it happen will fall on fruitful ground. Because if not, people self-sabotage themselves permanently. So I'm always looking in concrete situations into what's going on in your head now, in that situation. What, is, what, is, what voices are, are shouting at you, you know, tearing you down, telling you you can't do that, you will never work out, you're not good enough, and all of these things. And that's how people make a shift towards something more and more ambitious, more challenging. They get the courage over time and the famous confidence that everybody's looking for is growing as well. Not overnight, but it takes, it takes the experience step by step. And then mm -hmm. they can go to something or go for something that is much more exciting than what they had envisioned, maybe envisioned in the beginning. Mm -hmm. So roughly that's the rough process. <laughs> yeah. So when you were getting ready to start your own business, you, you were talking about the being and the doing. How did you work through that yourself personally with, you know, dreaming up this business and with coming up with your, you know, your mission and, and your purpose for the business? Like, can you take us through a little bit of your thought process there and even some of maybe the writing journaling exercises you completed to, to build this foundation for your business? Yeah. So it took me really time, I must say. It's something that I was always like falling back into this travel of doubting about myself, not about my mission, about what I want to achieve. I always, and that was, was holding me up. I was always feeling it's right. I was always having this great gut feeling and this intuition that I am on the right path. This is why I'm here on this planet. I know it. That's great. So a real gift. I'm very grateful for that. Gave wow. Me always always continue even if I was in the phase where I thought oh, I'll never work out and that's maybe not the right thing and so on um, but what what I had to do I had to work a lot on myself I really had to create a lot of awareness and in the beginning you know you have this excitement wow I found a lot of negative beliefs great I now can remove them out of the way and you can remove some of them quite quickly maybe out of the way but then you realize you have opened something and they're even more coming <laughs> And more and more and more and more coming. It's like, oh my God, it's a never ending story. <laughs> never be ready. And for me, there were many different things where I knew I really had to work on that. And I did it with different things. I had a coach myself. I did online courses. I read books. Books is nice, gives you a lot of theory, but it's not making the work in you. So that's the, the thing. Um, and um, really a lot of different things actually which I did and I created my own routine and that over time I think brought the breakthrough based on all the knowledge that I had acquired around this and, and the experiences and the awareness and all that um, I do a lot of um, it's, it's like a meditation but for me it's really like a mental training that I do in the morning and I even call it my mental workout it's in my agenda so I have this morning hour which is also a bit of physical workout I do that first which is great actually because then your body feels like energetic and with this mindset and after my shower and a little breakfast I sit down for only 15 minutes not long don't need very I don't need an hour for that 15 minutes sometimes 20 sometimes only 10 and I really focus on different things. First of all, I'm really checking where I'm at now. You know, what are my underlying emotions? Am I feeling positive? Am I really full of energy for this day? Do I want to make this a great day? Or is there somewhere some nagging, worrying or anxiety that is around? And if there is one that can happen, obviously, uh, it happens much less today than it happened before. But when it's there, I just look at it and realize, okay, why is it there? 
and very rationally tell myself, is this really useful? No, it's not. <laughs> and I decide to shift my focus onto this energetic path. And then I start really visualizing things, uh, visualizing concrete situations, but also some abstract things. You know, if I visualize, for example, customers, I imagine this big empty space. I don't know if you have big empty space people talk about who are doing this kind of mediation visualization. There's this big empty space, the universe somehow. And I, so I imagine something, it's an empty place for me where I imagine, for example, customers coming, clients coming. Yeah, and I see like masses, 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 masses of them. And it's an energetic thing. And over time, I learn to feel if it's around or not. It's really funny. Like with money as well, I can feel if it's, resisting to come to me or if it's kind of boom in my face and that helps me to connect again and a lot a lot of connection when it's not fully there happens with being just grateful about what what i achieved so far what i achieved maybe yesterday in the, in the past four, five minutes something you can be grateful for and things open up again people have might, might be heard that very often already and you read it everywhere, be grateful, it's helpful, and so on. But it actually really, really, really is. Because you open up for something more if you're grateful for what you have, no matter how small this is what you have is. And that's what I'm doing. And that's how I created my own, well, like to say my own control panel even somehow. Because I also look, you know, I had a big problem with my money mindset, for example. I wasn't allowing myself for a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of money. Well, it depends always on the perspective. <laughs> but, so I realized that I have a true glass ceiling here. And I do, I do exercises to, to heighten that inside of me by imagining, you know, blowing up the number and until something where you feel like, oh my God, this is crazy amount. I will never, ever have that. And then tuning it down again until you feel really comfortable with it. And this is how I'm checking where I'm at with my money mindset, for example. And it's similar to success. You know, you imagine a room full of people. Is 10 people, are you feeling great? Or can you accept that maybe 1,000 are sitting in the audience? Wow, how does that feel? Amazing, obviously. But there's maybe an inner voice telling you at the same time, yeah, yeah, but that will never happen to you. And I listen to that. And I try to get rid of it. And this mm -hmm. is how I realize that things coming to my life, the same as law of attraction, is truly working. It's really something you need to work here in your head first. And then the rest is coming. And I did the opposite at the beginning. I made my strategy and everything very rational. And then I started with the head. And I think you need to do the opposite, actually, if you start a business. Get your head right. Believe in the thing. Really, you know, get clear of what is hindering you, what is self-sabotaging, what self-sabotaging is happening inside of you. And then you can get your strategy still done. <laughs> but it will, it will be much more successful. Yeah. I think it's an incredible how powerful it is to visualize the person you want to be and the clientele you want to work with. And, you know, for me, I don't visualize around money very much. I think that's something I'd like to explore in the future. I more visualize how it feels to have the level of success that I feel I'm capable of and that the universe needs me to be at. <laughs> and, and I was saying in my, actually in a, I think it was episode 97 of the podcast where, um, you know, it, there's literally nothing we can't do if it's keeping us up at night, if it's, if it's a, like a nagging feeling like you've got to do this or you're a loser. <laughs> that's, that's how I describe it. If you don't do this thing you're capable of that you were born to do, that you have all the gifts and talents to do, you're going to feel like a loser. So which would you prefer? <laughs> you know? And for me, it's like, that's the feeling that I have. And I guess just 
taking the time to visualize, like you said, that room full of the kind of clients you want to be working with and that feeling of being the expert, um, not necessarily the only expert in your field, but being an expert in that field. Um, so I can't stress enough for all of you fempreneurs out there, if you, if you have no idea how to visualize these things, if you have no idea how to get your mind straight with what you want so that you can visualize it, you've got to reach out. I mean, Ulrike and I both have that in common. We reached out to coaches in the beginning phases of our businesses. And I mean, do you mind sharing actually who your favorite coach has been that has helped you and maybe specifically how this person helped you? That was very, that was a bit special. Um, it's an, it's an organism who, who is called Get Evolved. And um, they are actually active in the US, I think, quite a lot. I don't know if they're active under that name, basically, but the method it was, was happening there. And, um, <clears throat> and the person who was doing this training, and he, he doesn't even do that on a personal basis, I, sh I think he would be probably a tremendous success. But for whatever reason, I think he wants to, he really, really wants to help people. And it's not very visible on social media, it's not his thing. But um, it was a method very, very confronting. And I wasn't, I wouldn't have been ready for that, I think, at the beginning, but it was very, very confronting, you know, where you get this very harsh feedback that is why it was really slapping into your face, like, you're arrogant, you're not honest, you're, uh, and, and I knew that this will happen, but, um, but when it happened and, and the way he did that uh, was very helpful for me to get out to get rid of these last big blocks that I would not have gotten out, I think, without a pretty radical approach. I think for some people, this would be too harsh. And if I had done it in the beginning, I think I would have been, whoa, whoa I can't do that. But that was for me at the end, the, the last big game changer from all the journey that I did before. And um, that made a difference. Very interesting. So I got training from him as well. And I will never be this very confronting person. That's not my style. Not like he does, but, uh, but yes, it's, uh, it's really great. <laughs> so there was something, but you won't find him on the internet. It's very special. It's an organism there sitting in, in Amsterdam, actually, near Amsterdam in the Netherlands. And uh, he's working out of Spain most of the time. So, yeah. So you found his, like, you know, here in Canada, we would say the no BS approach, just shoot you straight. Tell you, tell it like it is. He just told you what he saw in you that he thought was holding you back. And even though it probably didn't feel very nice to hear it, you, you feel like that was what you needed to hear. Yeah. And it was a group training, which we did as well. And it was very, it was really like a bit of group therapy online and still very confronting, even though online, you know, where you, where you think you could hide behind a computer screen, but it was made in a way you couldn't hide ever. In, in behind, you could not <laughs> at all. So it was really very, very, very direct and extremely powerful, very long as well, because we did, I think there were seven days and each day was like 12 or 13 hours long. It was really exhausting. And this, I think, made as well that people just started to open up for me as well. You get into a completely different state of mind. It's just, you're just, you know, being anymore. And he also said, if you do these three days, don't do anything in the evening. Anyway, there was no evening left at the end because it was taking so long. But, you know, don't do anything like that. You don't rewind. You don't take a glass of wine in the evening. You give yourself a break. You don't do anything like that. Yeah. We, we got like a homework to do. Then until midline, you still had to do some reflection work on yourself. So 
and and by staying fully into it, it was very very intense. So I can't even imagine how intense this is when they did it before COVID uh, in a physical place altogether. <laughs> but um, but that was very very special actually. And I realized, wow, some of these methods are, are very very strong. Now I can see. For me, it was pretty fruitful in the sense that I was like, there's never an end of the journey. But I was really advanced in my journey already. And many of the, the, the other people which were in there, I'm still in contact with some of them, they started this journey of self-development only with that. And mm -hmm. that was like an enormous discovery, first of all, you know, wow, what, what, what happens here? Uh, mm -hmm. uh, but now, obviously, they still have this implementation in real life afterwards is still something if you do not get accompanied, it's very hard to do that because, yes, you have the learnings, but if nobody is pushing you, to permanently re-step out of your comfort zone, permanently do whatever they have learned in the training, you know, to do these, these stretch assignments for yourself, basically. Then you don't do that. It's, it's like with sports, with, you're not really motivated. Well, then you don't go. So, uh, yeah, that, that was a very interesting experience. So you're obviously a huge fan of group coaching because of the accountability, it sounds like. And you, yes. you yourself teach group coaching, like group coaching programs. I like that quite a lot because there's a lot of mutual learning as well. So mm -hmm. it's not just me with the person and the person finding her own answers like I do in a normal coaching sessions because I really try to not give many advices, even if people always want them. But I know that they have to find the answers by themselves. It's much, much more powerful. But if they're in a group, then it's really interesting because first of all, they understand that they're not particularly flawed yeah, because they're like, okay, all the others have the same problems, even maybe worse than I do. Wow. Um, and they also see that others try their best to implement something. You know, if it's about an assignment, how you can step out of your comfort zone to increase your confidence and to learn that you can do something which you have not done before. Um, and if they see others doing that and they come back then afterwards and share their experience, it's very helpful to see that others, A, others struggled with it as well. So yes, okay, they're also just human beings. I struggle as well, okay. So it's not, it's not a problem, but they overcame that. Wow, congratulations. And this is encouraging you also to overcome that because you think if they did that, I can do that. So there's a good dynamic and I like that pretty much, I must say, because it's always opening for more. And even the mistakes that others make that you do not make, you can learn from them. So you don't have to make all the mistakes yourself. You can see others making, because everybody does that. It's okay. I mean, you learn from mistakes. So it's, I like that quite a lot. It's a, I think it's a great way of learning and of being connected and stay. Some of them just stay connected then and become friends because it's a very personal journey, obviously. Absolutely. So at what point in your business growth journey, you know, after 2019, I'm assuming, did you decide to start a podcast? Uh, one and a half year ago, actually. Yeah. Uh, early last year. And um, in the beginning, I did it every week. And then I had no time anymore. I was, I was sleeping a little bit like that. You know, I was when I had a guest, I was doing it. So every two, every four, sometimes even six weeks. And I really picked it up again. I don't know exactly. I think in January or February this year, early on this year. Where I said, okay, now you go back into this weekly rhythm, having really interesting guests. And I'm so grateful I had great guests this year, really interesting women from all across the globe. It's really cool. And um, yeah, I'm doing it weekly now. Every Monday morning, I do my podcast, Empowering Female Leaders. It's always about 
some tips which which people give them. I have authors of books quite often, sometimes leading ladies in businesses or very successful ladies in specific regions also. Very interesting how they came to what they're doing today. Um, and yeah, sometimes coaches, obviously, as well. Mindset coaches, mindset training, speaker trainings, these kind of people. It's always interesting to help others to, well, I call it level up your profile, no matter if you're an entrepreneur or if you're working for a company. There's so much which you can do for yourself and learn. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much. Um, I'm curious to know one last thing about you before we end the interview, and that is take us back into your childhood. Mm -hmm. And take us back to when you maybe had a glimpse uh, into your future, a vision for you, you know, empowering female leaders. Was there someone or something that happened to you when you were a little girl that caused you to be this vibrant female empowerer? <laughs> I recently just was doing, you know, one of these personal journey things that you can post also on on Instagram or somewhere else and I was thinking about that was there something in my childhood because many people who are successful today they had this moment in their childhood you know and I realized there was this one moment and I don't know I I think it did something with me in in that moment and then I forgot it again for many years because it was really small I was I guess four years old or maybe five something like that really 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 small kindergarten yeah it's like it's called in Germany preschool or however you might call it in other countries so um, yeah, and there was I was I was playing a game um, with two other girls, and you know it was like you you, you get disguised like a, like a little horse and you run down a hill, and we did this stupid game and you go up again and you run down again. You're five years old, so you do this kind of, of games. And for whatever reason, the boys in the kindergarten decided that the girls should not play this game because they think it's a boys' game, and so they started as assembling them basically on the top of this mini 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 hill in this kindergarten um <laughs> with shuffles in their hands and really funny and like yeah we are arming ourselves and we will beat you because you're not allowed to do that whole you know nasty little boys and the two other girls got really afraid of that really so at some point they stopped and said no 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 i'm ready they were afraid and they stopped i was standing there all alone and i thought okay this is the moment either I give up and I found this so not correct, you know. So why the hell am I not allowed to play this game just because these boys think that only boys should play this game? What's the stupid thing? I remember that very well, this moment of, no, no, that's impossible. And I decided to still to go down that hill because, and I knew that they will all come onto me and will start beating me and these kind of things. Yeah? And I did that. But I was a very, I'm still a pretty, pretty tiny person. <laughs> and it was very, very, very tiny by the time. And there were maybe 10 boys, I don't remember, eight or 12, a group. Yeah. And they were jumping on me. And I was just, you know, robbing out of them and standing next to that. And I remember this moment where they were all over and they didn't even realize that I wasn't there anymore. <laughs> and it was so funny. And I thought, oh, this is really stupid. And so, <laughs> and then I don't then there's a gap in my memory, obviously. And then we walked home with two boys because in my little street, there were only boys living there. And they walked home and they had a broken t-shirt because of that thing, you know, they were fighting each other. <laughs> and they were still fighting each other the whole way home. Like, you've broken my t-shirt, you've done that. And for me, it was one of these moments where I thought, seriously, I'm a girl maybe, and I'm surrounded with a lot of boys because in my street were only boys. My whole childhood, there were many, many, many boys around me just by coincidence in the neighborhood. 
Um, and I can do what I want and I want to do what I want. And I think this, this became really forgotten over time. But when I was thinking back recently, somebody else asked me also, how did you come up with this empowering female leaders thing? And it was never a feminist through my career. I was not really fighting for that, you know, because I thought it's not really necessary. It's all okay. But then later on, when I realized that myself in my own career, I didn't act like I could have done because I thought coming up with my more emotional view of a hard business, I'm not fitting in anymore, so I will not share this more emotional view. This is I realized that somehow it's, it's, it's exactly the opposite of what I did in that kindergarten. You know? I'm, not, I'm not insisting on, hey, I myself, I do that my way. If you like it or not, I forgot that like for 20 or 30 years or even more. So that's, that's maybe the thing. But there was nothing particularly happening then. And then I got into the automotive world very soon in my career. This was my first job for a car manufacturing plant. And that was 80% men, 20% women. I got my first leadership role there. I got a lot of, lot of problems. They came and you know, really made my life very, very, very difficult because they couldn't accept that a young woman, like 27 years old, has a team here. I thought, what? That was hard. That was actually pretty hard. And I learned a bit in a hard way also how to manage um, when you have other senior leaders in the same company trying always to find something that wasn't perfect and criticizing very harshly in front of others. And my whole team was criticized. And there was no point, but I was never prepared to his arguments and because he prepared very heavily you know, how to, how to kill my, how to kill my success on my team. So that was another situation where I thought I can't be. So that is how I think it's coming together for everybody. Every career comes together with little bits and pieces, like a whole life. And these experiences shape you. And the question is always, what's the interpretation of that? Because you can mm -hmm. have any interpretation. And it's always what you think is, is the reality at the end. You shape the reality. If you think it's a negative experience, then it is on. That's it. And if you make out of a quite obvious negative experience, a learning, it still stays something painful for sure. But at the same time, it gets another, it becomes, it gets another flavor. So it's always about what you think about yourself at the end. Yeah, I love that story. I love how you, and, and, and now I have to just, I have to ask one more question because that little girl that was kind of like, I'm not going to be bullied into not doing what I want by a bunch of boys like that, that strong, confident, whatever you want to call it that you had in you at four or five. Where do you think that came from? Was that from your mom or your dad or a grandparent? Like who kind of instilled that confidence into you? I have no idea still today because I, I got lost really. Mm -hmm. I was a very shy girl then until my, yeah, till my teenager years, very, very introvert. Then I was a crazy teenager. And then I turned slowly back, back into introvert with my, in my adult age. Um, mm -hmm. I don't know where that came from. I have no idea because now looking back and also digging out my beliefs and where they come from. I know that in my early childhood, I mean, my, my parents really, really loved me. I was the, but I was the third child and it was an unexpected child. And it's something that, that I felt in the beginning of my life. I realized that with um, quite a few interesting techniques to find that out. Um, yeah. And um, so I don't know where that came from, actually. I have no idea. I think I would believe that this is something that I have in myself and that was rather the opposite way, that it was kind of born with that and it was rather the opposite way around. My mother was a very anxious person. 
all the time anxious about me, that I could get hurt or being in danger, whatever, for everything, all the time. And it was rather the opposite way around. I think I had this very upfront character somehow. People said I got it from a grandfather, which I never get to, got to know because he, he passed away before my birth. But I don't know. And it was around the opposite way around that this was kind of buried for a while. And I had to dig it up again in the past years, actually. I really dig this, this part of me out again. So it's, yeah. I think it's a big secret. <laughs> you'll never know. You'll well, know. It's, it seems like you have, uh, you know, less fear than a lot of women that I've, I've talked to. Um, it takes a lot of courage to start a business. Uh, it takes a lot of courage to say, I'm going to serve specifically women. Um, and so thank you for however you came to be this courageous servant heart. Uh, thank you for all the work that you do. I'm excited to get to know you better and to stay in touch with you and to see where things go. And yeah, just thank you for taking the time to share your wisdom and some really wise words and, and of course, encouragement for women who want to start businesses or who want to figure out how to become better leaders themselves. Okay, thank you so much, Enrique. Bye, everybody. Thanks for tuning in today. Thank you. Bye. Bye for now. And that's a wrap for today, Fempreneurs. If you're new here to the Fempreneur Marketing Podcast, you are in for a treat. There are 100 episodes waiting for you to help you do a better job of your marketing, to help you feel more confident when you're posting on social media, to help you feel more like you're part of a real community of women, because you are. So make sure to connect with us by joining the email list so that I can send you invites to live events in the Calgary area and virtual events where you can join us from anywhere in the world and actually see our faces and engage with us. The link is in the show notes. If you are new to the podcast, you need to listen to the 100th episode if you haven't yet. It is so jam-packed with awesomeness. And episodes, I think 78 and 79, they're a two-part series where I share the 20, the top 20 things I wish I would have done in my business sooner and exactly how to get started with those 20 things. So start there if you're brand new and I'll see you back here next week for episode 102. Bye for now.